lights, sirens, heroes. You're listening to the Unreasonable Grounds Podcast. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in. It's Mike from the Unreasonable Grounds Podcast. And this is going to be, uh, I believe it's Instagram live episode number three. I think we've done, and on top of that, this is going to be episode eight of the podcast. Uh, As you know, the Unreasonable Grounds podcast role is to do absolutely everything to be able to keep things light, but bring to you the most up-to-date news as well as some of the topics you want to hear about from the first responder world across Canada, whether that be coffee, whether that be donuts, whether that be fitness, whether that be police cars, patches, whatever it might be, CrossFit. If you're into running like we're going to be talking about tonight, those are the types of things we want to bring to uh, to the forefront and record that and bring it to you. So today we have special guests. We have Ryan Hutton with the Sudbury Police Association and Sudbury, Sudbury Police Service. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Dude, I am so excited to be able to get this up and going. Uh, we are officially recording, which is awesome because every now and then we have technical difficulties. But Ryan, I am super stoked to have you on. You and I have been going back and forth, texting back and forth, and we have found our mutual love of running. But first and foremost, before we start getting into any of that stuff, can you do me a favor? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, so... I'll try to keep it short, but uh, basically 20 years on the job this December. I started with uh, Toronto Police in uh, 2001 and uh, moved over to uh, Sudbury in uh, 2008. So as a big part of this podcast, Ryan, and I've asked you to go out and get something, the tradition for the Unreasonable Grounds podcast is to break donut. This is the way we cheers it. This is the way we set it off. This is the way we start the podcast and get things rolling, bring up the sugar levels, bring up the excitement. You've got a special donut today. So let's I, let's break donut. It, uh, it doesn't look like anything special. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, from what I've been told, a yeast donut. Yeah, looks like from it. From a local bakery here uh, called uh, Lainala's, and it's a Finnish bakery, and these are called Jelly Pigs. Jelly I, pigs. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say it. So I had the lady write it down for me, but that's what the actual name is. Okay. And yeah, it's filled with raspberry jam and they are fantastic. And if, uh, if you can ever get your hands on one of these, obviously the fresher, the better, but uh, they are pretty fantastic. It wouldn't be the first time I've had somebody offer, especially to say like, hey, listen, can you get a couple of these donuts sent my way? And, and one of those was uh, trying to get my parents to send me some Beachwood Donuts from Niagara, which apparently made this list that we'd done an earlier podcast about, about the top 10 donuts in Canada. It made it there. Pretty fancy. See, you're cheating. You're going ahead and you're having your donut first. There wasn't even a cheers. Poor form. Let me get mine so we can do this appropriately. God, you're skipping ahead. That's okay, though. That's okay. We can break the rules on the Unreasonable Grounds podcast. So I cheaped out. I'm going to be honest with you. I cheaped out. So we got a 99-cent donut from Savon Foods. Yes, we have an ongoing argument. Anybody that's listened to the podcast, best donut ever. You see, the beautiful thing about Instagram Live is, again, we get to see some of the comments and questions uh, from some of the people. Usually, it's people the guests know, and they're kind of chirping in about donuts. So, good to know that somebody recognizes those. I hope to God that nobody thinks that the Long John from Save-On Grocery Store is the best donut ever. If you think it is, I got to check your pulse and possibly check you in somewhere because this is that's craziness. But I got lazy. 
And it would have been five minutes to be able to go down to Coombs Donuts, five minutes down the road, and get a spectacular donut. But it was only three minutes to get over to Save On. So I went cheap today. Uh, let's break donut. All right. Cheers this. Cheers. Cheers. I didn't even get to the jellies. The best part about the Unreasonable Grass podcast, when we record and when we edit, go. and again, everybody saw, there we go, we got the jelly. Anybody that's listening to the actual edited podcast is what we actually put out and publish on Spotify, uh, I think Google Podcast and the iHeartRadio app. Yes, I'm sorry, I'm not on Apple yet. Is that they don't get to hear all the lip smacking and the bags opening and everything else. But today, everybody that's tuning in gets to hear that, which is pretty cool. The nice thing about these is this is the only donut they make. That's it. Yeah. All right. So So I got it. There's no chocolate coating. There's no special smarties or anything on it this is it so i gotta know how much was it it's like a dollar that's it yeah a dollar for a bakery donut is this ontario money is this crazy ontario money yeah yeah because bc money not a chance you're going to a small bakery especially uh, i'll give you an example of nanaimo anybody familiar with nanaimo you go to the columbia bakery three bucks for a donut yeah tim horton prices are already jacked up out here as well too there's a couple fancy donut places here that uh, that are like that, but um, I figured for the first time I'd I'd get something only that I know of you can get here. So, and that's the way to go. I've heard also if uh, I don't know people that get out from D Div or, or Manitoba get out to Thunder Bay, the Parisian I believe it's sort of the Persian is the donut shop up in Thunder Bay. If anybody knows of the place, you got to get a hold of me and get me some of those donuts. But the one that I just had was an absolute abomina- abomination to this whole thing. <laughs> And uh, it's just, it's horrible. So we're going to move on, guys, and get into the nitty-gritty of exactly why we're here today. And we are talking about running. So we're talking about everything that goes along with running, with policing and running, with first responders and running. We're talking about the stuff that you have to get up for like 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. before you go to shift kind of stuff. We're talking about the treadmills. We're talking about the gear. We're talking about everything that comes along to it. But I'm curious to know, because I brought you on, Ryan, specifically because I've seen a whole bunch of your stuff on, on Instagram. We've had conversations about the running and what you've done and your accomplishments with that and your goals that you're looking forward to and trying to achieve. I want to know right now, how'd you get into it? It's uh, like uh, you are or have been very uh, much a neophyte when it comes to running. I ran a little bit at school, nothing crazy. I ended up going to high school in Dryden, where there was no Dryden, Ontario, so no track team there. And it wasn't until basically I was applying to police college, or to Toronto Police, I guess, and I had to do the shuttle run. So they told me I had to run at a certain time. I never really ran, so I took out an old pair of running shoes. They gave me shin splints immediately. Ran. uh, Do you uh, you remember what they were? Do you remember what kind of running shoes they were? They I have no idea. Brooks, maybe something. <laughs> Way before Brooks was a well-known running shoe maker. Cement soles. It's fine. I used to sell them at Joggers. If anybody familiar with Ontario and knew the Jogger stores, yeah, I used to sell them. I'm sorry if I ever sold you a pair of Brooks <laughs> running shoes. Oh, they were I was, terrible. I was forced to do it. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even know what was going on. But, you know, it's funny. Like, I would drive to where I was going to go for a run, which would be a cemetery because... You didn't have to worry about lights and you didn't have to worry about the crazy drivers and you could just get her done, right? And then I got on and 
the next running was basically at police college and they were mandatory runs. And that's OPC. Yeah. OPC. Elmer, beautiful yeah. Elmer, Ontario. Oh, there are no mandatory runs. They don't make anybody do anything they don't want to do, essentially. <laughs> you have to do the shuttle run. That So there's no waking up and running. And then basically I fell into that, you know, I was 26, you know, bulletproof and invincible and you didn't have to work out. Your metabolism was still awesome. And you didn't really do much. Toronto was working the, the sevens. So it was like seven, 10 hour day shifts, seven, 10 hour afternoon shifts, <laughs> seven, eight hour night shifts. And uh, court went to either afternoon shift or off duty. So you were either working or you were in court. If you were, you know, uh, you know, uh, somebody that was either writing a lot of tickets or arresting a lot of people. So there wasn't a whole lot of time, but you know, your body was resilient or mine was anyways at that time. Like most of us, I came up to Sudbury, still hadn't really done much, joined the drug unit. And after about three years, I caught a picture of myself laying in the snow after a hot tub and couldn't figure out how I looked the way I did. But three years of sitting in a car, doing surveillance, eating, took its toll. And uh, I took a, a bit of an oath to, to change that immediately. And I ended up uh, signing up for a couple Tough Mudders. And I uh, did those as a team and as a group. So it took some, some training. Yep. But not really like maybe running on a track a little bit. And after I did a couple of those, I decided I'm going to run a, I think I'll run a half. And I uh, got a training plan from a buddy and uh, didn't really research anything. And had a terrible half. I finished it, but uh, it took me about a month to rehab. <laughs> I decided that I enjoyed it enough that I wanted to keep going and started kind of researching it a little more. Dropped my, you know, run preference down to 10K, 5 and 10Ks. Make it and easy. Then got it, yeah. Got into the Memorial Run, which is something crazy. Like you're running 30 kilometers a day for three days. And that takes its own toll. And then I realized, oh, man, I, I enjoy it enough, but I can't put KT tape everywhere. So I got to figure out how to, to switch things up. And I started researching a little bit more. And I uh, signed up for a full and uh, ended up having to do it virtually because of COVID. Oh, so that and was your, that, your first full was during COVID. Yeah. Well, when I signed up for it, COVID hadn't happened. And then COVID happened and it was, uh, you know what? I read David Goggins book Yep. and I had about three beer and signed <laughs> up. And that's Just exactly like, anything that is uh, involving Goggins or if it's, you know, if you start watching his Instagram account and you start seeing the stuff that that guy's doing, how could you not want to go and do a, a full marathon? You're like, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the least amount that I could possibly do to be able to yeah. even elevate my game where that guy would, would maybe even look at me and maybe throw up a little bit opposed to just dismiss me entirely. So I'd run a couple halves by that point, uh, a couple winter halves, uh, a couple locally where my times were, you know, around the 150 mark. And I figured, you know what, I can just, I picked a route and I just went out one day and ran it and I uh, thought, oh, this is nothing. Like, I'll, it's just double this. How bad could that? <laughs> How bad could it be? So I gave myself like two weeks. Oh, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a plan. 
and uh, I got to about 14 miles and unfortunately my halfway point was basically my front door and I said that's it I I can't do this I'll pick another time and uh, my daughter was standing on the front porch with a great run we love you 42-2 yeah and I had to tell her I couldn't and then I felt like a huge failure <laughs> oh man that poster's in my gym now <laughs> Well, right. with a little bit of motivation, right? And that's yeah. the biggest thing, especially when you're talking about running, is like that that internal motivation to keep going is is huge. I uh, I made the commitment to run the same race again. Only this time, I did some research, found a good plan, and started listening to uh, some other podcasts and reading some uh, some articles. And basically, the the uh, the gist of it was: get a plan, stick to it, put in your miles, and it'll happen. And, uh, I think I'm on week. What am I? I ended up starting late. <laughs> of course it happens, but I'm on week 11 and I haven't missed a run. And like you said, it, it's taken a couple 5am, 4am before shift. After Today shift kind happen. of stuff as well too, probably. Yeah. Not, you know what? Not too much after cause it's busy here. Lots going on at home and I never wanted to take away from anything home life. So the easiest way for me was just figure out I'll do it early, right? And uh, that means getting up at 3.30 to hydrate and on the treadmill at 4.30 some days. But, you know, it's a big psychological plus or push or motivator when you look back and when you're, you know, eventually going to be, I'm going to be on, you know, my race day and I can look and say, I haven't, I didn't miss a thing. I did everything I said I was going to do. There's no reason I can't do this. But there's been a lot of suck to embrace over uh, over a couple of the days, and uh, we got to keep it PG. But you have to be a real problem-solving uh, MF, and they're easy things, really. When you break it down, it's just a matter of whether you're willing to to solve those problems or not, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I've had. It's funny listening to your story, and I find so many uh, similarities to mine as well, too. I had the exact same situation. When I started, um, I want to say my growing up and running was nothing. I remember I was a goalie in hockey, which is like the worst possible thing you could possibly do uh, for any kind of cardio work. Because what did you do? You sat back in the net and you didn't do anything. Up, down, up, down, lateral movement, that's it. You just sweat in the box, and that's it. So growing up, my parents, when I was trying out, they were just like, hey, why don't you go over to the local high school? My mom would drop me off, and she'd sit there in the bleachers, and I'd run around the the field kind of thing. No training, no thought to it, just run around. I made one lap every single time, and I was like, yeah, I'm done. Screw this. Uh, lacrosse, same thing. Played in, in net for the one year. I played field lacrosse in high school, and, and really there was nothing. Uh, signing up for policing, same thing. I I think it was about 21, 20 around there when I initially applied for the RCMP. Uh, I grew up in Niagara, so I barely even knew what the RCMP was, but I knew I wanted to be a Mountie, thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And when I signed up for there, it took about two years to get in, three years to get in. And then finally I go out to depot and they're like, wait a second, you got to have mandatory runs. And we're talking about paramilitary. It's like OPC, my dad went through that. Um, my posting, my first posting in London I was able to go there was part of my detachment area was Elmer. I worked with the Elmer Police Service. We used to do stuff all the time with them. So we'd always visit OPC if it was a course or a seminar, whatever it might have been. Yeah, I didn't see anybody running around OPC. You go to depot, there's people running everywhere. Like when we go from class to class, it's a little thing called 
doubling. And doubling, for anybody that listens for the RCMP, is the death. For the first, probably, until you get your blues, so you actually, it's either you get your boots, which are your black duty boots that they give you, you polish them up, you end up earning those. You have to go in civvy shoes or running shoes in like your regular uniform, and you have to put your hands up, up by your chest, and you have to do a light jog. And this is like little steps in cadence with your entire troop as you're running and marching from one place on the base to another. Like you would think it was adult education. They always say it's adult oriented education. Oh no, they herded us out. We used to walk around like lemmings, just like going around the base. You want to talk about shin splints? There were more people got like those, what they call the minor fractures and that stuff in their legs and like micro fractures. It was absolutely brutal. So as I go out there and I get this and I'm like, holy crap, this is legit. Like I have no training in this. I'm going to die if I don't you know, get better at running. And it didn't get any easier. So I go through depot. I went through twice, unfortunately, because of a head injury. So I was there in 07 and then I ended up going back in 08, graduated in 09. I get past my first couple of posts. Again, I worked in federal policing to begin with. So again, sitting in a surveillance car for 10 hours a day for the first three years, that takes a toll on you. Zero fitness. There was no incentive to go out and work out. I go out, I take an LDP up in the middle of nowhere, up in Grand Isle, BC, community of about a hundred people. There's grizzly bears, wolves, moose, everything out there, lynx, cougars, like you name it. I'm not running outside. There's no damn way I'm running outside. I got the treadmill, but when you're working 12s, like 10s, 12s, whatever we were doing, I didn't want to run. I got all the way to when I was working again in, in federal, when I was in Prince George, I, same as you, like you said, you saw yourself in a picture and you were like, how did this happen? I ballooned up to about 275 when I stopped looking at the scale. And then eventually I said, holy crap, what am I doing? Like what's happening? And I had to make a change. This was the same time I was obviously being affected by PTSD and dealing with trauma that I've dealt with in the past. That handshaking a little bit with the lack of fitness caused just an absolute storm for me. So then I made the difference. So I started off, I ended up going running. Uh, my very first run was a one mile run. And I thought, I'm going to go from my house in College Heights. I'm going to go downhill. Let's make this as easy as possible. I'm going to go downhill. And my first mile, I failed. See, I run it, I run in miles. And that's the thing. Like me, I'm just, I see all this stuff, you know, the ultra. So I. All the time. Yeah. For so, ready. Yeah. I, I, I run in miles. I can't think in Ks because the Ks just flip by as you go. I'm like, let's make this harder. We're running in miles. So I go down the hill and I do it and I'm shuffling. And I'll tell you one thing, my gut is like a sack of potatoes going up and down. I felt horrible. I was horrified by the fact that my body was just like a complete milk bag as I'm going down the road. And I'm like, God, people are looking at me. I've got a lot of members, officers that live around me. They're going to see me out there, whatever it is. All this self-doubt, all this, like, I just a poor image and the rest of that was absolutely horrible. So on top of that, what I do is I just keep going though keep doing it. I cut sugar out of my diet. I started seeing the weight drop off. I started seeing a whole bunch of changes physically in that. And then eventually we moved down here to Vancouver Island and we decided, okay, well, I'm going to do my first run. So I'm thinking, all right, I can do this. Let's go do the Terry Fox run. It's not a race. It's just a fun run. 5k. Sign up by 5k. I start running. I get out there after the first lap down at Rath Trevor Park. I come around. I'm like, Ooh, that wasn't that bad. This is my very first 5K, like actual run run. 
Let's do it again. Second lap. Spin around. Family supported me. Bam. Nailed it. Two laps, 10K, done. I'm on top of the world. Now I'm thinking, hey, I could do this. I immediately go home, go online, and I signed up for the what, what used to be the Good Life Victoria Marathon. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, 10K. Wow, you're a champ. Marathon, totally different situation. So I thought, all right, let's do this. So I signed up for the 8K. I'm like, I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not going for the full thing. I'll go 8K. The morning of, or sorry, I should say the morning of the convention. So the day before, if anybody's familiar with races, you end up going to the convention the day before. You pick up your package, your penny, your shirt, whatever swag you're getting. I get in there and the lady's saying that there's open spots for the half. That's it. It's only two 10Ks. That's it. Yeah, it's nothing. (laughs) What do I do? I'm an idiot. I sign up for it. I go out. I say, yep, I'm doing this. Look to my wife, Maris. I'm like, I'm going to do the half. She's like, that's a bad idea. But if you want to go for it, go for it. You know, typical wife going to see her husband do something stupid. So I'm like, sure. I sign up. I go out there. I run. Okay. Lesson to everybody. And I put it out on Instagram the other day. If you're going to go out for a long run, especially in the heat or the rain, lube up. Do whatever you got to do. If you got tape parts, tape parts. Like you said, if you're going to put whatever it is, I run that race. It rains halfway through. There you go. See, you got skin. What is it called? Skin glide? Yeah. Ah, there you go. This is the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> runners are never afraid. There's no shame in runners. No. At all. No. So I go out there and I start that race. I guess what? I'm about three quarters of the way through it. And I'm feeling, you know what? Not bad. I like this running thing. I like chasing after people. I like doing that whole thing. It's just like in policing where you get into a foot chase with somebody, that person's getting caught. And if they get ahead of you, you step it up, you hit the next gear and you get going. Me, I have now successfully rubbed my the ends of my nipples off. <laughs> and we keep this PG as possible. We're talking about a medical condition here, people. I have rubbed my nipples off and my shirt is completely soaked in blood with bloodlines down there. And it's not sudden. That builds over time. And I've got probably 6K left in the race. And I'm like, what the hell do I do here? I've got, like, again, I've got the blisters and the chafing and the crotch. I've got the, the nipples are screaming at me. I'm sore. Like, I, I've super dehydrated. I'm like, oh, I never train with water. I don't need water. Go out there, run to it, eventually finish. The showers after that were absolutely uh, uh, just a horror show. So <laughs> eventually we get past the half. Six months later, Without training, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do my normal runs, do a 10K, 5K, whatever it is. I end up getting to the marathon in Vancouver. I bonk out probably 12 kilometers to the finish through Stanley Park, drag my foot and my ass all the way through there. I get passed by 70-year-olds, 75-year-olds, 80-year-olds passing me. And a woman comes by. She's like, get going, junior. (laughs) So I'm getting lapped almost. By these people and i'm like oh man i'm so so i got unfinished business i finished it i got it done four hours 50 actually give me a second this isn't even accurate i don't like i, I love my wife for doing this but okay five hours seven minutes and two seconds for a full marathon takes what it takes Ilya yep. kipchoge did it under two hours that's your p that's your pr five hours seven minutes i think i could beat that with some training <laughs> like you're doing right now so yeah. my, my, my same thing with you, I mean, Ryan, I mean, you know, my 
eventual run into running and build up to running was very similar. But um, something I want to know about you and getting back to your running, what were some of the hurdles that you that you really hit when you started getting into running? I think the big thing was just you know trying to convince myself that it was something I could do or I, I sh- should be doing. I think it was a pretty quick and easy sell eventually, mainly because your equipment is pretty limited. It's not a big expense and you can do it anywhere, pretty much anytime, right? If you're willing to do it. So whether you're, you know, at a conference or you're, you know, visiting family, it was pretty easy to make it a, a you know, destination running became a popular thing for me, right? And uh, having that extra bag that was always popular with all my running stuff, because you never know what you're going to need. And regardless of the weather, I would have pants and hoodies and three pairs of shoes, and I would get questioned on it every time. And uh, <laughs> by non by non runners, by other people who wanted to put their bags in the car, not me, have two bags and one being a big running bag that had a bunch of stuff that maybe wasn't necessary. But you know, it was it was just trying to you know not be overly motivated about it, not take myself too serious, but still try to be serious enough about it. And then work like anything, right? It became a hindrance and it was an easy thing to skip. And until I actually started this last program, if I missed a run, I missed a run. If, you know, I would plan that I would run on my lunch break, you know, inevitably, like, you know, uh, anything can happen. And it would happen more and more where I wouldn't get a lunch break for like five days. And then it had been five days where I hadn't run and or done anything. And then it was like a little switch that went off to say, well, I can solve that problem by just running before I go to work. Or if we got to get up early and do something, or if I've got something I have to do, if I get up early and run, then I solve that problem. And then it, it started to make more sense and started to work out and, I would bring the kids with me. Uh, so my daughter's 12 and she loves it probably because I love it and she's a pleaser. My son is 15 and uh, I don't know, he's a hockey player and he plays volleyball and he plays basketball and nobody knows how he gets up and down the court or the ice the way he does because his form is not the greatest, but he gets it done and he's he's got good hands and for hockey. But when we go for a run, it's like a fish out of water. He, flopping around and super inefficient and it's it's a bit of a struggle i had to stop telling him what to do <laughs> my, my seven-year-old's the exact same way he decided he wanted to come out for a 5k with me and i'm like dude you're seven years old i'd be like people are gonna stare at me if like i got my kid it looks like i'm trying to do a torture run with a kid like yeah, yeah you got in trouble you pulled your sister's hair you're coming out for a run let's go yeah. but the kid is just that's all he wants to do is be with dad he wants to do what dad does so yeah but he's the same way he's all i say he's all elbows and knees that's it yeah my daughter's like a natural she came out for the first run and she's just bouncing along and her ponytails flipping and i'm like where did where did that come from? I had to fight hard to get form and you're just doing it like it's, you know, born India. So hopefully she keeps on it, but, uh, she's addicted to TikTok now. So <laughs> TikTok cops, right? Right. Right. <laughs> That's the biggest thing on a daily basis. Uh, TikTok cops. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this. 
Um, you're doing a really good thing in the, in the sense that if you're going out there and you're putting out good PSAs, like public service announcements or whatever it might be, we as a culture need to stop dancing in uniform. So that's my little my, my little service announcement for TikTok cops. Stop dancing in uniform. That will never happen. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see me dance in uniform. Uh, you said it yourself. You know, nobody wants to see you doing it. Uh, no. it, it just unless you're break dancing, just don't do it. We love you anyways, but it, it needs to stop. But it's interesting you said about the the whole mental game and the timing when it comes to the mornings. Uh, again, me, I'm not necessarily an early morning runner. I don't like running in pants. So it, it, for everybody, it's unique. For everybody's experience, for everybody's running likes and dislikes. Um, so early morning for me, I mean, I have the luxury of living on Vancouver Island now. I have perpetual spring for eight months. And then I have my wonderful four months of summer, ridiculous heat. So... Uh, I never have to wear pants if I'm during the day, if I'm running. I can go and throw on a long sleeve shirt. I can throw on gloves. I usually throw on gloves. My hat, my Sealy hat is usually there. I took a lot of crap this week about posting pictures of me and my Sealy hat. Nobody could figure out what it was, and they were calling me a loser because I had, like, the Canada flip up. <laughs> That's the best running hat I've ever had. So, people, relax. So, I, you know, and it's just when it comes to it, I just can't do early mornings. And especially because I start work at 7, it's very difficult. I live in Parksville, so I have to drive into Nanaimo. Uh, I got a half an hour drive ahead of me, and I don't like to be rushed in the morning. So it just doesn't happen. So most of my training runs end up in the evening. When I first started running, I was just like yourself. I didn't want to take time away from family to be able to do that. But I knew a part of it, I had to drop weight. I had to get healthier. I had to do things. So I just made that sacrifice, unfortunately. But it all worked out in the end. But for early morning runs, like yourself, getting those in or lunchtime runs, uh, for me, it's, it's just in the evening. It, but- I was never, never a morning runner. I, this was just, that was the solve. To get them in, I had to, I, I much prefer running at noon, especially a long run. I figured out my body needs about three hours to process anything I put into it. And even then, that might require getting up at eight or five, depending on what time I'm going to get my run. The The 20 mile run I did, I, I had to do it before afternoon shift. So I had to be on the road at eight, which meant I had to be up having somebody eat at five. And you know, it's when you're selling it to yourself and committing to it, and it's a goal you want to have. It's amazing what you can accomplish and what is okay. And, and in the beginning, a lot of the sell was for me anyways, was I can work three hours overtime for work. Why can't I put that time in for myself? Or, you know, I might be tired, but, you know, when it comes to family, I could be tired and go to work on three hours sleep because they asked me to come in because there's a detail or something major is going on. And I'll gladly go in, put my suit on and be there and be committed. If I'm tired and my daughter wants to get up and and do some crafts i should be able to give that same level of commitment yeah especially for the running right and and getting out there and doing that for yourself you know doing it for family is a big thing i mean that's another thing that i did you know it it wasn't just the running was for the family but it was the mental health side of it it was you know dad getting into a better place in his mind and being able to not be grumpy all the time because running was that one thing that just kept me centered kept me going, kept me focused, whatever it might have been, just kept me better than I was before. So it was making that commitment to the family. And then, uh, like you said, it, it, it's just, it's something that you really do for yourself, by yourself, when you're out on the road, 
And yeah, the mental block to be able to get that and the sacrifice, the internal sacrifice is huge. That's a, it's a, it ends up being a win, right? Like, and you know, it's, it ends up, you know, translating into everything, right? It's a metaphor that translates into all parts of your life if you wanted to. And people see what you're doing and people see what you're posting and, and your family sees what you're doing. And, and they like, it'd be different if I was miserable after every run or miserable before I went for a run or negative, that's not going to motivate anybody, but you know, down the road, it might motivate them. And, uh, you know, hopefully it motivates people I'm working with and, and they can see, you know, if, if Ryan can get up at four in the morning and go for a run, like I can go for a run at four in the morning. Right? Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, so can I, yeah, I can do it. We can get this done. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing too, is like you said, it's the Instagram stuff and people being able to see like the pictures of the runs, whether it be the treadmill, whatever it might be. It's a big, big thing to be able to get those on there. And, uh, and like you said, it makes a difference. One of the things that I notice as well too, is that it's the before and the after photos is what gets me. You know, that was the one biggest thing that got me going when I was starting up and running in that was being able to see what people look like before and after. Now, I had the ability to be able to see a whole bunch of people that I worked with up in North District out of Prince George. And those people that I, I saw out there running every single day, I was like, those are natural born athletes. These are people that are doing it every day, day in, day out. They look awesome. Like, whole, oh, like how, you know, I wish I was that. And then I find out that those were the people that were like 350 pounds. I'm like, yeah, I'm, how, how, like, how, how I, explain to me now? Like I, I'd be dropping lunches to go find these people and be like, please, please, please tell me, how are you doing it? Like, how'd you do it right now? I'm going to stop you and you could tell me how you did it right. I'm going to start making notes and they'd be like, put the damn shoes on, get on the road, just work out, just do whatever you need to do. So yeah, the Instagram stuff is huge. I started to see a lot more of it. Uh, Strava, if you're using Strava, you can see some of the stuff on there. If you're using, uh, I use Garmin as well too. Garmin, the social network side is not very good, but Gar the Strava stuff is is solid. And uh, I use that for a little bit of motivation as well too. I started with Strava. I went through a couple different, I guess, fitness trackers. I had the Under Armour one. It was okay. The first shoes I had were those Nike Shocks. Ooh. And had the little pod that would go in the shoe. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was for then, that was for Nike Run, right? That yeah. it was Bluetooth to your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was good, but the shoes were not. I think I actually took a picture of the little opening in the bottom of the shoe under the sole and sent it to our Intel guys to say, "Hey, make, make sure everyone's checking the sole of these shoes when they arrest anybody wearing them." It's a total <laughs> hide. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I got into uh, an Apple watch and it's probably been the best thing other than the, the time span. If you're not listening to anything else, it'll last a full marathon, but it's, it's just nice. It's a safety feature. Like it's hooked to cellular. So I don't need my phones with me, but nice. And this is a perfect segue to go into what we we're going to talk about next, which was technology. And we're going to talk about equipment. And this is a huge, huge hurdle because anybody that's ever been to a running room or I'm trying to think of something like a sport check, I'm trying to think of some of the more the bigger chains that were back in Ontario as well, too, not just in BC. But if you go into a running room, could you think of a more confusing to go up to the running wall, the running shoe wall and be able to pick out that kind of stuff? And, and it's it's extremely difficult to be able to do that, especially when you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know what you're looking for, if you're just starting out to run, whatever it might be. You haven't even stepped a foot on a track, you haven't stepped a foot on a treadmill, whatever it might be. 
but it all starts with those shoes. So could you tell me, Ryan, what did you start with? I'm pretty sure it was a pair of Asics. Actually, I still have them. So these are the first ones I, I had. Very heavy. They're now my winter running shoes. I put cleats in them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Winter. Rainy. What is winter? I don't know what this winter thing is anymore. I run on the lake on them. We have a skate path that's about a kilometer, I guess, maybe two kilometers. And I, it's been, there's no hills, obviously, because it's a lake. So it's fantastic. People look at you a little crazy, but uh, that's part of being a, a runner sometimes, I think. Yep. And then I got into um, the Saucony Ever Runs, which were probably my favorite shoe so far, the most comfortable. Uh, those are the ones I used for the run from uh, Toronto to Ottawa. Okay. And then I completely fell into advertising and bought the Ultra Boost 21s. And I made my first run a half marathon in them, which was probably not the smartest thing you could ever do is, <laughs> is run that far in a new pair of shoes. It's the worst idea. Like, I've, yeah. I did it. We'll get into that, but I did it. So, yeah, I can completely understand that is the, and I'm just going to be honest, it's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. I was so, I geeked out on them so bad. And I wanted them so bad that I got them like the day before the training, the day before the half I was running for my training. And uh, I'm just like, screw it, I'm, I'll wear them. They, they feel good. Uh, from what I've heard and what I've listened to in, in a couple podcasts, the um, Rogue Running is one I've been listening to quite a bit. And um, the last one I, I listened to, probably should have listened to before, but they, they suggest you just go in and blind test shoes. So yep. pick, pick a selection, close your eyes, and whatever one doesn't feel like you're wearing a shoe, that's the one you should pick. And don't worry if it's Skechers. You know, they're all relatively, if you pick a price point, and they're all within that, that same price point, you pick one that feels the least like you got something on your foot, and that's the one you should go with. Yeah, I mean, even in Skechers, so a lot of people, they get into running, and, and if they're catching on, I think there was a big craze that you'll probably see in the last four or five years, especially when they started to see the Breaking 2. So a lot of people saw Breaking 2, which was the Ilya Kipchoge's efforts to be able to beat two hours marathon distance. And everybody saw the Vaporfly. They're like, Vaporfly, Vaporfly, Vaporfly. It's like Vaporfly, 2%, next percent, whatever it was, they need the Nike shoe. Okay, if you're getting into running, I'll say this flat out. Do not buy a pair of Vaporfly shoes. I know it's really nice. You work small. And again, I'm speaking to police officers specifically or first responders. Yes, you will go out and you will buy some or, or you'll work an overtime shift just so that you can go out and pay for an expensive pair of shoes. Okay. It's not hockey where you can go out and buy the top line equipment and you feel like Sidney Crosby. If you're going to go out and you're going to buy a pair of Vaporflies or whatever it might be, if it's the Adidas, if it's the uh, the Sauconies, you're starting to see some carbon plate Saucony shoes out there as well as the Asics, stop it. Don't do it. Okay, go talk to the experts, go to running room and figure out. You, you will have torture on your feet, your toes will fall off, figuratively speaking. You will have a very rough time, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to end up throwing those shoes in the garbage. It's just going to happen because they're not beginner running shoes, and everybody does it. But one of the biggest things that I've noticed, and Ryan, I think it's the same thing with you as well too, probably, like you said about Skechers. Okay, Skechers, I always thought, was for 13-year-old girls or my grandma. 
They can wear Skechers or like Fila's or whatever it might be because they just need a kicking around shoe. Okay, Skechers is legit these days. They are putting out some high, high level running shoes. Same thing as Brooks. When I was growing up, Brooks, and I was selling them, unfortunately, Brooks used to make cement shoes. That's what I used to call them. The soles were hard as hell. We had the lowest line possible. But when I started getting into running, people were like, oh, buy Brooks. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? No. I still I still can't. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. No way I'm going to buy yeah. Brooks. But they're like, oh, price tag, $395. Like, come they on. They must be good. They're expensive. Exactly. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to buy those shoes. Well, you start seeing some of the guys doing the triathlon, you start seeing the rest of that, and they're promoting those shoes big time. And they have really stepped up their game. So just like you said, the blind test, that's a great idea. Go yeah. in, try a whole bunch. For me, coming into the running in that... So I have all my props ready to go. These are my original pair of shoes. Uh, I was the same as you, actually. I started in Asics, and the Asics fell apart. Made my feet feel horrible. Then I went over to Saucony, and I had a pair of Saucony. I think they were Ultra Runs or whatever whatever they were. Uh, I think they're probably out in the garden somewhere, sitting there molding away in the backyard because my dog grabbed them, whatever it might be. Uh, but then I eventually went down to 218 Run. I'm going to do a little plug for 218 Run down. If anybody's on Vancouver Island or Victoria, check out 218 Run. It's over in the Fairfield area. And I talked to the owner and he said, listen, we're going to get you in the right pair of shoes. Took a look at my feet. He said, wow, you basically have sideshow side Bob feet. If anybody knows the Simpsons, long and narrow, like super narrow. So he looked at it and he goes, listen, you need Air Pegasus. You need to go to a Nike because they have the most narrow shoe box and toe box when it comes to shoes. So I'm like, okay. So I ended up in the Pegasus. So the Pegasus, even though these are worn down to live in hell, had a huge sole on it that was very similar. I think it's actually called, yeah, that's the Zoom Foam. These things got me through everything. Got me through my first run. It got me through my first half when I went over to do the half in Victoria. Uh, so much so, and Again, it's a particular thing to the individual. So the, it's unique. If your feet are a certain shape, you should just go get it done by a pro or somebody not at Sport Check. God, don't. I'm sorry, Sport Check. <laughs> the 15 year old kid, and I was that 15 year old kid at Joggers back in Ontario, and Joggers used to exist before Sport Check. I was a kid selling shoes. I was 15 years old. I didn't know anything about shoes, but I was told how to sell them. And I'm telling you right now, if you go to Sport Check, I'm sorry for the 14 or 15-year-old Clayton or Lisa or whoever it might be sitting in Sport Check selling shoes. You don't know what you're talking about and you don't know anything about shoes. So what you should go to a pro, go to a running store, like running room or something like that. And like Ryan says, check out those. Check out uh, several different shoes to be able to figure out what you want. It's tough right now, right, with COVID and most places you can't even go in. Um, I think, you know, if you could go have somebody, you know, look at your your stride, look at your gait, see what you're doing, but it, it might help, I think, if they're not just trying to sh- sell you the most expensive shoe they have. But so a lot let's, of it- let's talk about that a little bit there, Ryan. So how much did you spend on your first pair of shoes? Do you remember? I I, I want to say they were under under 100 probably under $100, 150 maybe, because I didn't really know what I was doing. Actually, these ones came from my chiropractor. And they were free, and uh, they still have the insole in them. And I remember telling him I went for a run with the the chiropractor insole, and he's the like, orthotics. Yeah, you can't run in orthotics. I'm like, well, whatever. I kind of so. have to wonder about that, especially with uh, and I'm trying to think. It's the the feet doctor. Anybody that's out there, 
Like, yeah, they give you orthotics and they look at you like, these are athletic orthotics. Yeah. So I'm going to run on ceramic plates. Wonderful. That's awesome. It's yeah. concrete. Again, you can't run on those. No, I don't use them anymore to run. But yeah, that was basically my my selling point was whatever I could get through the chiropractor because I was just getting into it. And I didn't want to really spend a ton. And it wasn't until I started to become serious or think that I was serious enough uh, that uh, I spent a little bit of money. So the Sauconies, I think, were probably 200 225 I think. Yeah, and that's a pretty decent price, especially when you're dealing with running shoes and that. Um, I would say that the the Pegasus were probably about that. They were probably about 210 220 a little bit more than I wanted to spend at the time. But I'll be honest with you, uh, after about a year, I bought another pair. And every year, the Pegasus get a little bit different. And these ones were Pegs 35s. So I ended up picking up another pair of those, which were the Peg 35s, but I got a pair of blue ones. And anybody that follows the Instagram account uh, would see that I, I love those shoes dearly, but they're dead flat now. So I ended up picking up a pair of Peg 37s recently. Uh, yes, I went to Sport Check, but I found a good deal because they had Peg 37s there and the kid didn't know what he's talking about. And I got a great deal on an amazing pair of shoes. And I probably spent another 199 on those. Uh, good start range. Go out, find about 150 to 200. It's an investment you're going to have in running. They're not going to hurt your feet in most cases because there's nothing. There's no ceramic plates. There's nothing fancy with them. Uh, you don't need to have the fancy shoes. Just buy something, like Ryan was saying, that just fits right. Yeah, but moving on from the shoes and that. Now, when it comes to the actual running itself and for road and trail, most of your stuff is road, right? Like You don't do a whole lot of trail. It's, a, it's about half and half. We have... Uh... I try to hit as many trails as I can, and we're pretty lucky here. So it's, like I said, it's kind of a mix. The trails are either crusher dust, uh, sometimes they're a little bit of heavier gravel, and then we have a boardwalk that goes around our, our lake. But, you know, you're kind of you're kind of stuck. Like, you can't just do a full half trail run. There isn't enough space. But, we're you know, it's, it's not Vancouver Island, but uh, you can see some water for the most part if you want it and uh that it becomes probably the main part of my every route has me running on the lake or running by the lake anyways but even i imagine even for policing as we, we again we center around the policing side of it, it trails hard because especially when like for us here on the island it's you know if i'm working or if i'm going for a run during work because we do get our hour of fitness time that we can use per week but we also go for team runs in my unit so what we do is we go out but there's always that thought in the back of your head once we go we go to westwood lake or wherever it might be you're like damn if i get the other side of the lake and we start because we always have our phones on us we get that phone call like we got to go like our units got to go can we get back right whereas if you're running in the city like if i want to do a city run because i like road opposed to trail trail's awesome as well too but i prefer road uh, you have the ability to be like, hey, listen, call a, call up our dispatch, whatever it might be, like send a car, pick me up. It hasn't happened, thankfully, but if I had to, there is a plan in place opposed to when you're out in the middle of nowhere and on a trail in the middle of a lake or around a lake, you're kind of screwed, you know especially if you don't have service. You know that story would come out as you couldn't finish your run and you called for help. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> be like, yeah, like, hey, can you call something <laughs> in, like something important? Be like, no, I was helping Charlie 8 and we got to go over there. <laughs> as they see you limping towards you pull you're cramping out or you're just bored but so getting back to the shoes now as you're running right now and what do you what do you have right now what are you using again the the adidas 
That's right. So you've got the Adidas. Now, I think that's carbon plate, right? I, I don't I don't think I don't know. I don't think so. It didn't it didn't show up on the uh, when I looked at the specs of it. Uh, and it's funny because there's a guy I work with that is a distance runner and he ran collegiate. And uh, so he really knows what he's talking about. And I told him I bought him and he's like, oh, did you get carbon plate? I'm like, that's a carp. What? Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm so, just going to back. I'm like, wow, now I got to get carbon plate. I didn't well, even know that was a thing. Yeah. So that's the thing. So we were talking about the Vaporfly and we talked a little bit about that a couple of minutes ago. That is basically what the Vaporfly is. It's a carbon plate that goes inside the shoe that's supposed to give you rebound. A lot of the time we're talking about Olympic trials, the Olympic marathon, whatever the distances are. They're trying to say that they wanted to wipe those out. Probably two years ago, they wanted to get them out of the Summer Olympics, these Japan, so it's Tokyo Summer Olympics. They wanted to ban them because they said it gives you an unfair advantage because that plate inside the shoe gives you so much rebound. And then on top of that, so Nike was first ones out. They gave it to Kipchoge to go and run and beat the two. That's where he's like, oh, hell, how you just beat the two? And the everybody's wearing those paper flies. Now the Adidas stepped up, and they were the next ones to do it. Saucony jumped in. Asics jumped in. Brooks was a big one that jumped in, like, right into the deep end. Everybody has it now. Everybody has the carbon. But you're going to pay for that. Yeah. And the top mesh on them, like, we can see it all day long. We do an entire podcast on shoes, but the long story is, if you don't want carbon plate, like if you don't want to spend $400, you don't need it. You don't need it. Yes, it's going to feel like the Nike shocks back in the day. Like, oh my God, it makes me jump all higher. <laughs> it's all in your head. Okay. Yeah. Your feet feel nice for a period of time, but those shoes will wear down. $390 for a pair of shoes is excessive when you're starting out. Don't worry about it. Just go get something, like I said, in that mid range. Now, clothing is a big deal. And I'll try to get through these things. I do want to get your opinion on them. You said you're a bit of a shorts and a pants guy. Uh, if it's really cold, I'll wear pants. Anything probably, I don't know, minus 10. I'll probably wear shorts, but a long sleeve shirt. And I'll wear a toque and gloves, like a, a running toque. But I uh, I heat up really quick and I, I can't handle wearing a hat. So I my, as soon as I'm warmed up, my gloves are ditched and my toque's gone. But mostly shorts and uh even with the glide stuff, uh, dry fit does not work for me. It has to be like a like a cotton kind of dry fit material. They okay, that, yep. I think Under Armour has like, it's called charged cotton. Yeah, I think that that is. It's the charged cotton and they got a couple yeah. of new ones coming out as well too. But yeah. Yeah, Under Armour is the, the, they are the ones that do that. Yeah. And that's that's it. You know, like I, I have a real hard time. I don't have one pair of actual running shorts like they slid up the side and the five inch hem. I can't, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I wear. Oh, like you just a, have to commit. Come on, dude. You just got to commit. I can't do it. You got to show I, off the side leg. I've got them. I, I can't do it. My legs are too white. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't belong wearing those, those shorts, <laughs> but I'll tell you, they're my go-to. And I, and like, I'm not five, the five inch hem. I'm the seven inch, but like, like God, and I thought the first time I saw myself in them, I'm like, I am such a nerd. <laughs> I'm that guy that you always, everybody growing up always had that one person in town that used to go out, no top, used to have the tiny short shorts running, yeah. like the actual marathon or these guys that got into jogging back in the day, like the silent, the J was silent. It's always someone's dad, you're like, oh, I saw your dad running. Yeah, he's an absolute hairy Fuck. beast. Yeah. Big mustache. 
exactly. <laughs> and he's out there just pummeling away. Everybody has that guy in the neighborhood, and I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna be that guy. Yeah. There's nothing freer. I've never done it. I haven't done it yet, but there's nothing freer than taking your shirt off or, you know, going for a run on a treadmill or something like that. But I just can't do it in public. But I no. do the I do the shorts. I do the Nike shorts. Uh, I've got the briefs inside them. So it's like you don't have to yeah. wear underwear or whatever it might be. It feels like you're wearing a, you know, the very first bathing suit you ever had because it has that horrible lining on the inside. But I tell you, when it comes to being able to lube up and put it on your, your skin glide, whatever it might be, that's the shorts you got to go with. And if you're comfortable, you're comfortable. I uh, Full uh, full disclosure, my go-to undergarment is those Saks underwear with the little hammock. It's yep. Fantastic. They're the best. See, again, and this is what this podcast is about, is full disclosure. You know, it's full, fair, and frank. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm, I can't say, like, I do own the socks, but I can't say that I use it for running in that just cause it's, it just doesn't feel natural to me. Now I'm stuck. Nike doesn't make a really good pair of those shorts anymore. I bought a pair of the more recent ones, about a year ago, and I'm just not a big fan of them. They keep falling down. So now I'm just going to wear these things until, well, hopefully they're not see-through, but it is what it is. Uh, and then shirts, you said you got the charge shirts. You got to go kind of a cotton polyester blend probably. Uh, yeah. I- I prefer not the dry, and everybody seems to go to dry fit. Yeah. So uh, it, I struggle with it a bit, A, because they smell really bad after one run. And uh, they just, uh, you can't wipe your sweat off with them if you need them, right? It's uh, useless. But that's the cheapest shirt that everybody gets, that every, you know, run event has, or any organization that's promoting something, that's what they use. And it's tough to get people away from that. Yeah, and, and I'd say, and I'm going to put this out to anybody that's watching, and I know the people that listen to this podcast as well, too. If you're running an organization, if it's a charity or whatever it might be, and I'm speaking maybe specifically to support retired legends because I know them and they are amazing people. Find me a charged running shirt that is amazing. Put your logo on it, and I'm buying a ton of them because that's what we need. We need good, that that awesome running shirt out there that Ryan's talking about and it's going to go skyrocketing. It'll be your number one seller. And they handle, uh, they handle your body a little bit better when you're cold. Those dry fit shirts are the worst when you hit a little, <laughs> when you, if, when you hit a bit of a chill or you got a little bit of chest hair, there's no hiding it. It's uh puffing out and it's oh. not good. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I, and I got it and it. Yeah. I wear them underneath. I got a Solomon running uh, jacket that I wear in, the, in my pe- perpetual spring and fall up here or out here on the West coast. Uh, and I just sweat. I literally sweat and it's like a waterfall coming out my, my shirt there. Just, I like to get rid of it. But if I was wearing the charge shirts underneath, I got a couple of, uh, I got one Solomon and a couple of ASICs, I think it is, or not Yeah, new balance, the new balance shirts. Yeah. That I like those ones totally different sticks with you, but keeps you warm. So yeah. I, I do enjoy keeping warm out on the runs. Uh, if I can stay warmer, it's better, obviously. Uh, getting into, well, well I'm going to bypass socks. Can we talk about socks another time? Cause you know, it's either you wear tube socks, whatever it might be. Stop wearing tube socks on runs. I see you out there doing it. Stop it. It's, it's embarrassing. Uh, technology. You were talking about the, uh, the Apple iWatch. Tell me, what are you using right now for technology? So it's the, just the, Series three, I got into just it ended up being a, a good deal with our uh, Bell contract, and uh, I kind of wanted to see how it was. And uh, it's been good between the fitness, they have a built in fitness app that gives you your heart rate and links to your phone, and 
you can take your phone calls on it and all your music from your phone is on it if you need it to be and hooks to Strava and, and whatever other uh, tracking software you're using. And it just was pretty seamless and, and pretty simple to get into. And I relatively lower, I guess, on the, the price point when you consider like Sun 2 and Garmin and, you know, you're not spending $1,500. Like that was one of those things, like as much as I would love to get one of those, I also didn't want to have something separate. I didn't want to have a running watch and then an everyday watch. So I wanted one that I could wear at work and was going to look like... Um, professional. Professional. Yep. Uh, that it was going to be hardy enough. And I mean, the watch bands switch out, so uh, you can have a sport band, and then the next day you've got a leather band, right? So, it and I mean, Amazon's amazing. You don't have to spend $300 on a watch band when you can get it for 50 bucks on Amazon, and, and uh, it's pretty much same thing right so so what you're telling me is you don't want to wear a g-shock watch to court i have a g-shock watch <laughs> that i wear but you're a cop come on we all have g i actually i when don't I was, have a g-shock watch when i was in uniform i had one because i wrecked so many watches uh that crystal screen and and everything and uh i just unfortunately i was only in uniform for a year when i got it so now it sits in my drawer it hasn't worked i haven't had a battery in it for five years so it just sits there staring at me, knowing that one day I'll wear it again. But but, uh, but that thing is just like the old Nokia Fido phones. That thing will it, last forever. You'll drop but, it a million times. You'll run it over the garbage truck, and that thing will still be there. Yeah. But yeah, and trying to use that for running, would uh, it just wouldn't be my thing. Yeah. Cause, so is that the only one that you've had right now? Like, Have you tried anything else out other than the Apple uh, iPhone? I had or, the uh, iWatch. I had the, well, I had the Nike one first. And I didn't really, I didn't really like the interface with the app. Like I found it was a little spotty, and I didn't really like the stats it gave me. I think it was, well, it was probably five or six years ago now, so I'm sure they've improved it. The Under Armour, this was the same, right? So it was more about having now because it was a fitness tracker and it marked or it tracked your steps, but it wasn't really a watch. So I didn't enjoy having this fitness tracker on and then a watch it was just too much and i didn't want to look like i was that taking myself that serious you would be I that just, you don't want to be that guy and want to be and to that guy well done when you've got the the fitness tracker wrapped around your chest and you're out there you're checking those paces you're checking that heart rate you're in zone six man way well well done it's not for me because I'm not going to sit out there. I don't have the body for it. And I also have chest hair. So unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't really work out for me because I'm not no. shaving the, the the beast down. So yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Too many watches, too much technology uh, can never be a good thing, especially when you're out there and running. Um, one big, The biggest thing for me as well, too, uh, for me, it's Garmin. And I've dealt with Garmin for the last two watches that I've had. Uh, this one's just a basic, I can't even remember what this one's actual type is, but it's, it's relatively inexpensive, uh, of a watch, but it is everything that I need. It hooks up to my phone. Uh, I can put Strava on beacons on. So if anybody's familiar with Strava, I would suggest if you're living in a rural community, cause I got, I know there's a lot of my colleagues in the RCMP that were, that listen to these and listen to the podcast. If you're out in a rural community and you do have cell, have cell phone service, 
do me a favor, go out there and get Beacon. Because if you do run into any kind of emergency situation where you need help or if you're having medical, whatever it might be, that Beacon can save your life. The iPhones will save your life. They notice a fall. They'll call 911, whatever it might be. Check that out. Go on Strava, check out Beacon Services. It's going to cost you probably about $35 a year. Very, very good service out there. This thing gets me to it does what I need. It checks my splits, checks my pacing, checks my heart rate. I don't really care about heart rate, to be honest with you. It doesn't really spark my knowledge, need for knowledge, I guess, and need for information and statistics while I'm running. I can do that just by feel. But yeah, this does the job. And it's like 150 bucks for Garmin. So doesn't do anything fancy. Yeah, I can't do phone calls with it. And I can't, you know, be like Dick Tracy back in the day with a phone and be talking to my phone or like taking pictures with it but it does what I need. So for an easy beginner, like watch, whatever piece of technology, that's it. What are you using right now, Ryan, for earphones? I, some, Stace bought me some Amazon Bluetooth waterproof. I don't know. I think they were 30 bucks, 40 bucks, something, something relatively inexpensive off Amazon. And for them, for the most part, they work amazing. I, they're downstairs. I can't even remember the brand name though, but I've dropped them in the lake and, no problem but the longer i've been running and the further my distances get they only last two hours yeah i've i've uh i tried plugging in my headphones into my phone to try to limit the battery wear and uh it was okay but i had it on my on the back of my uh pack and i think it kept tapping the screen and i lost music like i was it was a bit of a disaster. So you're saying uh, it, it's no bueno, no bueno for sure when it comes to those ones. I can't, I can't do the leads. I can't do cables. I, I can't get it. I got weird shaped ears. I guess my inner ear canals are screwed up because I always drop earphones. They always fall out. Uh, I got that same issue for me. Like I, I say this, and I'll plug these. And no, Aftershocks is not sponsoring or anything like that. Nobody sponsors this podcast because I, I we just can't do it and who's going to sponsor a podcast where 450 people have downloaded the podcast. But the Aftershocks is something I will promote because I think they're absolutely awesome. So these guys go around the ear, or sorry, they go around the ear and they actually go by uh, bone induction. And if anybody's seen those, it sounds super gimmicky. But basically they go around and they actually just attach to this part of, I'm going to turn and try talking to the mic at the same time. And just attach sort of like where your sideburn is. And you get full volume in your head. It is the weirdest thing you're ever going to feel. It's a first time. But the beauty of it is, is that you actually end up getting uh, full audio awareness of your surroundings because your ears aren't blocked at all. So if you got sirens, if you got somebody yelling at you, if you got your kids yelling at you to come in, whatever it might be as you're doing laps around the neighborhood, whatever it might be, they're absolutely awesome. And the other thing is that they're Bluetooth. So you can be running and you end up running it like I, I'm like yourself, Ryan. I keep my phone on my back. So what happens is, is that you're running and all of a sudden I can press the button and I've got Siri right there. So I say, Siri, call home. Siri, change the song. Siri, switch to this playlist. Siri, check out podcast. Uh, dark poutine because i love the dark poutine uh, podcast if anyone's checking out check that out Uh, but i absolutely love them i have them for three years they've gotten me through all my runs and the nice thing is most runs the races they're legal because if some people don't realize if when you're out doing the major marathons headphones are outlawed you cannot have headphones in a race 
because it is by race rules, you're blocking your ability to hear others around you as well as staff, marshals, whatever it might be for the run, you have to be aware. So these, I've worn them all. I've checked with the staff at the races. They said these are fine. So if you want to listen to music, podcast, whatever it might be, whatever you need to zonk out to be able to get uh, to, to finish that race, check those out for sure. Uh, but the last thing I want to talk to you about definitely for sure, Ryan, is that the tracking software. So you use Strava right now. Yeah. Why do you use Strava? We got into it just because it was the easiest thing for everybody in our organization to to jump on board with. So we started the Sudbury Police Running Club, which uh, is sanctioned by the service, uh, sponsored by the service and sponsored by the association. And it was like a really easy platform for everybody to get into, try before they actually committed and put their name in where other people could see what they're doing. And it, you know, the... There's been updates. I think they just had an update, but the the uh, the information you get off it is pretty pretty awesome. And the actual uh, marking of your route and and showing your history and and uh, all that for the free version. I don't pay the the premium version, but even in the free version, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And what do you works. what do you need for the paid? Like I, I looked at the same thing when I was and again we're like promoting these types of things but i'd say for strava you don't need to go paid at all especially i, I mean gearing gearing this podcast is more for people that are kind of getting into running especially in police work and first responder work if you're getting into it there's no need to spend all this excessive money it's just it's not required the free strava gives you like you said ryan absolutely everything that you possibly need heart rates route GPS tracking, whatever it might be, that's exactly what you need. It's going to give you your zones, your calories, if that's your big thing, your counting calories, uh, your distance, your splits, your zones, that's all. What else do you need? Realistically, you don't need anything other than that. But if you want to pay the 40 bucks a month or whatever it is for the premium, fill your boots. If you've got the money to spend, go ahead. If you're like one of those micro analytical people that just want to like knock the stats out and be like, I hit, you know, metric waves and watts and all the rest of that stuff. Okay. If that makes you feel good, go for it, dude. You know, fill your boots. Uh, but you really don't need it. And I would say, I'd agree with you. I run Strava. Um, there's a time, I don't know. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Do you think at times it's too much? I guess it depends. Like, I think it gets a little too too much, depending on who you're following. Like there can be some pressure, right? To some you know self shaming when when you're looking at your pace, and then the people you're following or, or other people that you are following on on uh, on Strava are posting much faster times, and uh, you might start questioning yourself a little bit when you're in the community part of things. But I mean that's either gonna that's an easy fix, right? You just don't follow anybody, right? You just, you know, do it for yourself. Uh, or you use that as a motivating factor. And, and the running, you know, community is pretty open, I think, and pretty approachable. And, and uh, you know, there's no one that just, you know, came into life running. Everybody started somewhere. And I've lots. never met a jerk runner. No. Ever. No. runners especially at races because races are a big thing for me and i know for yourself you enjoy the races and and you're never going to run into some guy that's a dick or some girl that's just like you know out to lunch or whatever it might be it's just not going to happen i've never if anything they're so welcoming they're they want to teach you things they want to go like if you're bonking they are going to be there they're going to pick you up 
complete strangers. I usually play the rabbit game where I'm like on shark. I see that person. It's like, I see that dude in the blue shirt. You are my target for the rest of the race. I'm going to catch you. And if I have to use a washroom or if I cramp up, dude, I'm coming. But the second I get up deck, I got hate in my life for this person. I don't know them from Adam, but dude, you are my goal. I'm going to follow you until the bitter end. And when I get up there, guess what I say? I'm like, dude, thank you so much. You have done more for me than anybody has done in the last, you know, weeks and months leading up to this for motivation and enthusiasm, everything else. You're the reason I got through this race, man. I could hug you. And I've wanted to do that several times, but usually I just walk up and say, man, you're amazing. Thank you so much for just running your race, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and, and getting into it and, you know, a good segue, especially we were talking about the uh, the Sudbury Police, the, the running club, right? So I'm curious because that's in policing. What does running do for you as a police officer and a first responder? You know, it, it's, uh, I, I hadn't really done it while I was in uniform. I mean, uh, I laugh in my head a little bit that, you know, I'm not a, a sprinter, but if you just, if you just keep running, I'll catch you eventually is all I think about in my head. Right. Which isn't, isn't reality, right? Everything's, uh, you know, a 500 meter dash that, uh, if I get you in that 500 meters, I'm good. And if you get past that, we're in trouble or I'm in trouble, right? But I think, you know, there's so much, you know, negativity and there's so much sedentary part of it, right? Where you're sitting and then, you know, you know, you're up quick and, you know, being on a shift where you're working, you know, from seven at night to seven in the morning, I would often use, you know, if I got a 3 a.m. lunch to go for a run and I would sell it to myself that I might have to run after somebody at three in the morning, or I might have to run after somebody, you know, right before the end of my shift when I'm dead tired. So that was my motivation to push it and do that run. Cause that might be something I'd have to do. Right. And, you know, when you're pushing yourself to do it, when you don't want to do it, you know, it, it's a pretty common theme and a pretty common feeling that, you know, you sometimes feel better after the workout or the run you didn't want to do for a lot of reasons. But, you know, when you keep doing them and you keep committing to it, you, you, you're in better physical shape. The more you do it and the more changes you see that are positive, you're not going to maybe eat that donut. Instead, you're going to pick something else because you just burned 500 calories and that donut has 400 calories. So why, unless you're going to eat the donut anyways, or, then, or, or you're coming on the Unreasonable Grounds podcast. You want to break donut? You want to break donut with us? Come on, break donut with us. This morning to eat that donut. So <laughs> there you go. I didn't, but you know that it becomes a big cycle that that ends up, you know, selling a, a better lifestyle, right? When you're when you're running or when you're working out and when you're feeling good, everything else kind of seems to fall in place. And running is pretty simple, right? It's not like deadlifts or squats where you know you there's a technique to it and if you don't know what you're doing you could really hurt yourself and we can all walk and we can all run and it's you know you there's no you know right or wrong as far as how fast you're going it's it what works for you and you know there's enough people out there that don't like running that no one's going to judge you for running whereas you go to the gym and you throw a, a plate on each side someone's going to judge you that how come you can't lift two plates, right? 
Yeah, you're never you're never going to see it. Not in running, and that's why I love this community so much. Is that you're just never going to see that. Um, I think on that point too. I think somebody that you know, I follow a lot of ultra marathons. I, I, I follow that world, which man, that's a rabbit hole when you go down it. Uh, but Courtney DeWalter, one of the most famous these days, and she won the best trail runner in the world. She won all the rest of these. She's won some crazy races as well as uh, some of the stuff down in the, uh, the valleys and the deserts down in the States. She, her fame, she's famous for saying, like she was asked one time, she's like by Joe Rogan. She's like, well, how, he goes, how do you do it? How do you, how do you keep going after uh, 25 hours of running Moab? And she just easily says, she goes, Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. That's it. It's all yeah. it takes. You know, simple. And, and, you know, I use this especially, and like you're saying a little bit earlier as well too, about, you know, we just now we're talking about the physical. You know, we talk about the ability and we start seeing it in our health. We start seeing it in our physical health. But the mental health side of it is absolutely huge. And we start to see leaps and bounds. We can use a metaphor for that left foot, right foot that comes with the running and comes can kind of seep into the rest of your life and bring in some positive, especially within our mental health, is that sometimes we get absolutely jammed up, especially in this job as first responders. I mean, we're talking about Mental Health Awareness Month with May, and a big part of why I brought you on as well too, Ryan, is to talk a little bit about this. But the biggest thing that we can do as first responders is left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Keep moving forward. Keep going forward. I've talked a lot about it when I do the live podcast, or not live podcast, but a live uh, IG live on my runs, as I say, you know, every now and then I love to do uh, Instagram live when I'm having a horrible run because I just, I need to get it out there and I need to say it. I'm like, guess what people, there are going to be times where you're going to have crap runs. You are going to fail and, and it's use running as a metaphor for life. There are going to be times where you're working in general duty and CIDB, whatever it might be. We use it as our, our serious crime sections, our, our federal sections within the RCMP, whatever it might be, firefighters, paramedics, whatever it might be. And you might be having a really bad day and it could be going absolutely south mentally for you and you're just not feeling it. And I tell you right now, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot helps me so much. That's all you got to do. And, and, you know, like, we all work with those people and, and there's spotted throughout your life. If, if, uh, if you, if they're part of your family, especially like you can separate them separate yourself from them if you're, if they're not, but, uh, work, it's tough, but we all know those negative people and you know, it, it's tough. If you can find the positive in whatever you're doing or find that little bit of something that's, that's going to be your purpose, and it's a positive purpose, then that it, and you focus on it, and your running's the same, right? Whether it's a jelly pig at the end you know is coming, or uh, a pint that uh, you know you've earned, or you know you're doing the right thing at, at on the job, and and the result's going to be you know worth it. Whether it's pushing past that four-hour overtime mark to make sure that warrant gets written so day shifts can execute it you know you've done everything you can do and if you can get past the 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 need and and the desire to to give in to to expressing the negative side of things takes a little bit sometimes i think but if you can not talk about the negative like when you come in and someone says how was your run if you just talk about the good parts you sell it to yourself, right? And the same thing with work. If you talk about all the bad parts, that's all you're going to focus on. 
And if you can't get past that, A, people are going to start not wanting to talk to you anymore. Yep. Because nobody's going to want that. You become that guy. Yeah. And it's it's tough, right? And, you know, it's usually an underlying issue that's going on. But uh, personally, I've had lots of reasons in my life that I could be super negative and, and miserable. But I wouldn't be where I am right now if uh, if I gave into that. And uh, I wouldn't have the people in my life that I have. And I probably wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing, right? And I definitely wouldn't be talking to you. Because nobody's going to want anybody coming on a show that's just going to be super negative and it, it, it's tough you want to help those people that are negative and i think you know leading by example is is something that hopefully you know emanates and, and people pick up on it but you, you can't you know can't lead a horse to water and make them drink right so yeah it's tough but you just keep plugging along and and uh, when someone's having a bad day you just kind of give them another side to look at yeah so speaking about plugging and that it, it... Is there anybody, I know we kind of wrap this up because I know you got a ton to do and it's getting late in Ontario as well. So you're at 9.30 already. Spend enough time away from your family to come on and talk on the podcast. Ryan, is there anybody or any organization you wanted to plug right now on the podcast? Well, that's, you know what? I think the uh, National Peace Officers Memorial Run that, that uh, started in Peel, I think we're it's in its 17th year now, I think. Don't, don't quote me on that. 16th or 17th year. Has made its, it was just in Ontario. It's a... Uh, 46, 10 kilometer legs. So 460 is where the, the, the name comes from. And, uh, it's run by, uh, peace officers, uh, corrections officers, teams running across the province, like from Toronto to or Southern Ontario, Toronto, to Ottawa, in memory of fallen officers. And all the money goes to officers, family, officer wellness organizations. And it's made its way. Last year was two years ago, I guess, where it was the first year that it went out to the East Coast and the West nice. Coast. He had a team that ran in it. And I think Nova Scotia had a team that ran in it. So I know they're they're pushing. There's a ton of Mounties here that uh, that run from Ontario as uh, part of the team. So if anybody knows anybody that uh, might have run it in Ontario, it's a it's a really good one. Uh, I know there is a sort of a run like that out, out, uh, out West. Uh, but I, I think they're going to try to make it a uh, Canada-wide type type thing. So, and, I, and I'd love to see it come right across Canada. I know we do a bunch of memorial stuff here in BC as well, too. Uh, we got some runs on the island, I believe. I mean, obviously, usually they're more isolated around particular people, like the Sarah Beckett run that we have in Victoria. Uh, also, the Adrian Oliver run that takes place in Surrey and the LMD, so the lower mainland of uh, British Columbia as well, too. That's that general greater Vancouver area. Uh, we have a few of those, but I, I think there is something out west here as well, too. But uh, what I'll say is this, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been a great time. I absolutely love talking run with you. This is something we're going to have to do again. I think we're going to have to have a part two. Uh, we're going to have to go a little bit deeper into the running, maybe even the method and maybe your plan as well, too, because I'm sure there's lots of people that'd be very interested to hear about it. Uh, this is a special segment, obviously, the live Instagram uh, live Instagram feeds that we're going to be doing and recording for the podcast. So, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on, man. I'm so eternally grateful. Mike and Ashley, thank you as well, too. Ryan, thank you so much. I promise next time I won't break donut before uh, before we cheers. <laughs> poor, poor etiquette. 
you'll ha- you'll have to send some of the jelly pigs out here to BC as your repentance for that. Guys, on that point, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you so much for coming on to the Instagram live and showing up. This is why we do it. We do it for you guys. This is something that over the last six months, seven months that Mike and I have been recording episodes, this is something that has brought me back from some pretty dark places. Uh, if you are struggling right now, especially with mental health issues, if it's PTSD, if it's your undiagnosed, if it's OSIs, whatever it might be, there's help out there for you. Check with your organizations, check with your associations as well too if you're a first responder. There are some resources. If you're having a bad time, you could always send me a message, Mike a message, whoever it might be. If you find your regional person, reach out. There's help to be had. We're here for you, okay? Uh, on that point, thank you very much for showing up for the podcast recording. Check us out at www.theunreasonablegroundspodcast.com. Give a little bit of a promo for what's coming up. We've got some coffee stuff coming up because for our coffee lovers, uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff with regards to isolated posts because everybody loves hearing about isolated posts in the RCMP and, and some of the smaller municipal forces in Ontario. We've got lots of stuff coming up with that. We've got a few more episodes planned for interviews if that's what you guys like or these interview style because I love doing these interview style episodes. Talking cop movies as well too. We're going to be talking the best 7-Eleven food for those late night shift taquitos, whatever it might be. We got tons of tons of content coming up check us out spotify google podcast iHeartRadio. i'm doing my best to get on apple but unfortunately it's just not happening guys thank you very much for coming out for episode eight this is instagram live episode three ryan hutton sudbury police association sudbury police service guys have a wonderful night Lights, sirens, heroes, you're listening to the Unreasonable Grounds Podcast.